Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. So great to have you with us on Leading Simple. I'm your host, Rusty George. Boy, there's nothing simple about football. It's a wonderful thing. It is back. And today we happen to have an interview with a former NFL football player who is also enshrined in the Hall of Fame. His name is Bruce Matthews. Some of you may remember his playing days, but some of you may not. But you're not going to forget him after our conversation today. And we jump into all kinds of questions about how can athletes dedicate their lives to Christ. Some of you have kids right now that are playing sports and you're trying to make them Christ-centered at the same time. Is that even possible? what Bruce found in football and out of football that propelled his faith and maybe even some things that were difficult for him. We're going to get into all of that and have a great conversation. So whether you care about football or not, I think you're going to love this conversation with Bruce Matthews. Well, today we're sponsored again by Red Letter Challenge. I'm telling you, this is such a great resource, and they have a variety of different studies you can do. Even if you've done the original Red Letter Challenge, now they have a new one uh, that can help you out as well. And so you're going to want to check that out by going to their website, redletterchallenge.com. If you're a pastor of a church, then you can go to redletterchallenge.com rusty, and they're going to give you a free copy of the book and give you some discounts on getting resources for your church. So many churches have gone through this. It's so good. You're going to want to check out Red Letter Challenge. If you want a tool to energize your church, grow your small groups, bring unity in a distanced time, and if you want to point people in a real, practical, and challenging way just to be more like Jesus, this is the perfect tool for you. Well, enough of all of the intro. Let's get to my conversation with Hall of Famer Bruce Matthews. Hey, well, Bruce, it's great to have you on the podcast. Uh, it's a real thrill to have you, especially at this season, because we're kicking off the NFL season here in just a few weeks. I'm sure you're, you're interested because of your past. So for our listeners who don't know who you are, give us a 90 second. Here's who Bruce Matthews is. Oh, man. Uh, married to Carrie. We have seven kids, uh, five boys, two girls. Wow. Three of the boys have played in the NFL. Uh, I played 19 years in the league. My brother Clay played 19 years. His sons, uh, little Clay, who played for Green Bay, the one with the long blonde hair, mm-hmm. uh, great player. His son Casey played. My boys, Jake plays. He's the starting left tackle for the Atlanta Falcons going into his eighth year. My son Kevin played. My son Mikey played. I have four boys who played at uh, Texas A&M. Uh, my dad played in the league back in the fifties before I was born with the 49ers, but, um, just grew up in a great family. Very blessed. Um, a lot of, I believe was expected from us, but I think, uh, my parents handled it in the right way where, uh, you know, it was about going out and doing the best you can. That is quite a football legacy right there. Um, I can't imagine what Thanksgiving was like. Uh, who got the drumstick? I mean, how did you wrestle that around? I mean, that's a lot of food. Well, typically, uh, Thanksgiving is, you know, the high point of the NFL season. Well, that's true. That is true. So we weren't together all that much. It seemed like <laughs> my brother Clay was five years older than me. So by the time he was off at USC and then on to the Browns, 
you know, the family was had reduced down. But, uh, yeah, we love it. Uh, we've had a lot of opportunities. I think I played against my brother Clay like 23 times, and it, it was a thrill for me, especially as uh, him being my older brother, my, my favorite player of all time. Um, and, you know, Clay and Jake – have played and matched up. In fact, uh, they played, what year was that? 2017, when the Falcons went to the Super Bowl, they matched up in the uh, NFC Championship game, and fortunately we came out on top. But it's it's something I think that all the Matthews, and especially the boys coming through, this latest generation of players that they appreciate, they're very proud of the Matthews name, and um, it's something that, uh, like I said, they take great pride in. You know, I hear you speak about your family with such uh, reverence. I know that not everybody has that, but I do know that there's a lot of families that are trying to create that. They, they've they got their kids involved in sports 24-7. Uh, you know, here you come from this legacy of football players. How did your family kind of cultivate that, yet not bow down to it? Does that make sense? Sure. Um like I said earlier, I, I didn't have the opportunity to witness my dad playing, but I was well aware of the fact that he played in the league. He only played uh, four seasons, I believe, over six years. In between that time, he was, in the, he was a paratrooper. Uh-huh. And uh, so my dad set a great example of, uh, I think, of athletic performance. But what he taught to us boys was, uh, more than anything, you know, you're not going to quit at anything. You're going to go out, do the best you can. You're going to do what the coach tells you. And um, it was fairly simple from there. I mean, I, um, I loved competing, whether it didn't matter what sport it was, uh, whatever the season was, uh, our family, we had four boys and a girl. We would play every sport we could think of. And like I said, just love competing. And um, I was a huge fan of the NFL long before I ever entertained ideas that I could possibly play in the NFL. So I, I think I was one of the rare guys that, you know, I was fulfilling a dream by just making it to the NFL because I was such a huge fan of the game. And um, I always thought it was a privilege that I was able to play and, um, you know, I just sensed uh, a high responsibility of using the talent that God had given me the best I could. And um, that kind of took all the thinking out of it. Yeah. Was faith a, a big part of your growing up or did you come to faith later in life? No, uh, not really. Um, my, my parents taught us great lessons about integrity and being a man of your word and stuff like that. But um, yeah, we weren't, um, faith really wasn't something that was emphasized in my family. It was really when I uh, arrived at the NFL, um, my rookie year in 1983, and we had a team chaplain who used to leave a, lead a uh, Friday after-practice Bible study. And um, it just, man, it just spoke volumes to me about man, this is so much more than just going and doing and trying to accomplish all this stuff. Um, But it was just the kicking off point of my faith journey and something that uh, I I was very thankful for 
that man in my life. His name was Greg Heddington. Were there other players on the team that kind of helped you out as well as you began your faith journey? Yeah, absolutely. We had a guy, Mike Stensrud from Iowa State. He was a big old nose guard, and we called him Mongo. And he would, I mean, he would just cut up during practice. You know, he'd be flicking you in your in your weak spot as you're going back to the huddle. Um, you know, always trying to instigate fake fights and stuff like that. But he made practice fun, and um, he had really had a change in his life. Uh, specifically in his marriage, um, when um, Christ got a hold of his life and really changed him for the better. And he was the guy that invited me to that first uh, Bible study that we had. So you you find faith in the NFL. Boy, that is, that's a podcast in and of itself right there, because yeah. I would assume that a lot of people think it's just the opposite. You found it then now you're raising these seven kids. How did you distill that to them uh, while having a career and, and managing all the things you had to manage? Yeah, I think the big thing, um, it really was a, uh, a learning process for me to be able to um, understand what walking with God was all about. Because really early on in my life, it was really about pressing the buttons, you know, if I play well in high school, then I'll get a scholarship and, you know, got to go to USC, which at the time was the place to go and play with some amazing players, future hall of famers. Um, and then the same thing, it was like, Hey, I play well enough at SC. I might get drafted. Uh, met my wife at USC first girlfriend I'd ever had, you know, and it was easy for me to kind of keep pushing the buttons. And I, I think that was definitely part of the reason why uh, there, there was an interest because I, I got to the NFL. Um, the, the team wasn't very good. We were going through a definite uh, rebuilding process as the Houston Oilers in 1983. And um, it was like, man, it, is this all there is? Is this what, uh, you know, being successful in life is about. And then um, my wife and I, uh, we started popping out kids and, you know, I wanted to make, uh, make it clear in their lives that this God thing is real. And I want it to be part of your life that um, living for something more than just what this life has to offer. It's, it's, there's a bigger game than that. And, uh, so we just kind of uh, followed that pattern as the kids were born. And um, I was blessed to play uh, 19 seasons in the NFL. And for the most part, um, well, I never missed a game due to injury. So I was very uh, fortunate in that regard. And um, it just, it was like all of a sudden I was 40 years old in my last uh, season, uh, never had a real job and, Absolutely loved the game. And, um, you know, it was funny. I walked around uh, with almost a fear or an anxiety all the time. They're going to find out I suck and they're going to send me packing. But, um, yeah, I, I was blessed to hang around and I loved it and every day of it. I want to ask you about remaining injury-free is that just genetics or did you, were you, uh, you know, into essential oils back before they were a thing? I mean, how in the world did you play 19 years in the NFL and be injury free? 
um, my brother Clay played 19 years as a linebacker. He got hurt a lot more than me, though. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, I I, uh, I felt a, a high re- responsibility that if I could play, I want to play. I I I had fear of not being out there, and um, not sure it was always the most healthy thing to do. But for the most part. Come game time, I was ready to go. And I think uh, God just gave me a body that you can beat the crap out of. And, uh, you know, it could take the pounding. So I didn't do any special, you know, Jerry Rice or Walter Payton workouts. Um, I was very much a cheeseburger and Diet Coke type guy so uh yeah well that's it it's the diet coke that got you that saved you (laughs) well okay so for our listeners that maybe are kind of new to football or maybe their husbands are into football but they're not i mean my dad used to tell me all the time we were watching football son the offensive line is where it all hinges everything rises and falls on the offensive line there are three positions you've got the tackle you've got the guard and you've got the center, two tackles, two guards, five people up front protecting the quarterback, all of that. Explain to us the differences in those roles. Obviously, the center is hiking the ball, but you played all five from different times. So what what was the mentality shift when you suddenly were now a guard versus a tackle? And just walk us through that. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was uh, it really went back to, my dad's philosophy about, Hey man, if, if the coach asks you for a, a volunteer at some position, Hey, I'll do it. You know? And I, I, hmm. I snapped on punts. I covered punts for like 15 years, covered hmm. over a thousand punts in my NFL career, snapper, uh, PATs and field goals. So it was kind of that mindset. Hey, if the coach believes this gives us the best opportunity to, to win, then I'm all in. So uh, that was my mindset in terms of uh, position change. So when I thought, when they'd say, hey, what do you think about playing center now? Or we're going to switch you to center or guard or whatever the case may be. I always felt like, man, I'm, I'm doing a service uh, for the team. But uh, really the biggest thing, the biggest change is it's about uh, – the angles and the mindset that you have to have. And the cool thing, I got an engineering degree at USC. Um, Fortunately, I didn't have to use it. I did use it on the field, uh, a lot of physics and stuff like that. But really, um, it was really uh, having that, the picture of the offensive line in your mind and understanding the angles and the pressure points and things of that nature. And, and from there, it was all about matchups. Um, on the edge of the tackle position, you could get a guy who was 6'6", 300 pounds, or, you know, six foot one, 245, and ran a 4'4". So you really had to um, be able to tap into your athleticism on the edge. But it, again, being physical as well. The closer you got to the inside, um, I like to call them the, the Chilardo type guys. That, uh, you know, you got a lot of 300 plus pound guys, 330, 350. And they aren't, I don't care how good a play you are, 
if you move them, it isn't going to be very far. And um, just a very physical, uh, short area game where you had to be sound with your angles and your pressure points and things of that nature. And um, the cool thing about center, obviously, you got to be cool, you know, make a few, point out a few calls, um, act like you're in charge, and uh, you got to touch the ball at least. So um, I enjoyed that about the center. You got to call the to, – to play uh, – um, set in the huddle as well and taking charge in the huddle. Um, but I enjoyed every position. I, I, I love the challenge. Um, the great thing about the NFL is – Hey, let me interrupt this episode for one second and remind you we are very, very close to hitting the 1 million download. Probably will happen this month. And we want to give away something to celebrate. If you go to PastorRustyGeorge.com, you can register and you're going to receive a gift basket filled with some of my favorite things, including a cooking spice that I grew up with. I've never seen anybody else use it. I found it in a store. I bought some of them for you. My mom used it all the time. I use it all the time. We love it. Our kids love it. You're going to love it. And so that's just something different for me to give to you as a thank you. Thanks for helping us hit 1 million downloads and help us celebrate by going to the website, typing in your information, and you'll be entered to win one of our 10 gift baskets we're going to be giving out. Okay, enough of that. Back to the episode. The great thing about the NFL is you come across guys all the time that you have never heard of. They may have gone to Slippery Rock or some other obscure school, but they're in the NFL because they have some sort of talent that if you aren't on your game, you're going to get embarrassed that Sunday. So every week you had to bring your best and trying. And, and, you know, uh, I think the best thing about an offensive lineman you could say is that he's consistent. Mm-hmm. And to be consistent in the NFL against the type and the quality and just, you know, the everything you've got to be able to, to do, uh, I think, is one of the greatest compliments you can pay an offensive lineman. And, you know, uh, defensive guys, especially nowadays, are all about sacking the quarterback. So protecting your quarterback, mm-hmm. allowing your quarterback to make the plays so the little pencil neck receivers and stuff can make plays and do their dances. <laughs> and it was cool though. Uh, that's exactly, I think for the most part, your best offensive lineman, it was more about being uh, behind the scenes and, you know, setting other people up. And I mean, obviously you loved having good things said about you, but um, mm-hmm. it, there is the NFL is such a team game. And the greatest team within any NFL team is the offensive line because you have five guys that have to work together and mm-hmm. uh, have to be able to humble themselves. And for me, um, I really enjoyed it. Blessed to play the game. Well, I never um, – I mean, I always believed my dad when he said that, but I never believed him more than this past year in the Super Bowl because I'm a Chiefs fan and our offensive line was decimated. We basically had the JV squad out there and our half a billion dollar quarterback was running for his life and we didn't score a touchdown, you know? No question. When you were thinking about that or when you were speaking about that, that's what came to mind because the, and 
to their credit, the Tampa Bay offensive line was being physical and imposing their will against the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you guys, old Mahomes was, like you said, running for his life. <laughs> well, I hope that this year will be better. Uh, okay, let me ask you some just football questions here because this is so fun for me. Uh, who was the most dangerous or the best defensive player you played against? Boy, uh, I always want to give my brother credit, but playing <laughs> against my, my brother was an absolute thrill. And during the tenure, uh, we overlapped for um, 14 years, and we played 23 times. Mm. And it, every time it was like a Super Bowl atmosphere, even though the Oilers or the Browns might not have been necessarily – playoff quality at that time but playing against my brother was an absolute thrill all right then the obvious ones you know your howie long your warren sap um reggie white all those guys that you heard about john randall um just great players and um like i said uh it it isn't just the name guys that you have to worry about but that backup coming in out of you know southeastern northwest Right. Uh, Kansas, no offense. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> he he brought something to the table. He could be the, the stoutest run plugger ever. And um, it's... Well, that we was, have no film on him. Exactly. Don't know it, and he's got the most to prove because he wants a starting position. So who yeah. knows what's going to happen? Yeah, they're definitely... At, they're uh, looking to make a name for themselves. Who was the best quarterback you protected? Um, Warren Moon, mm-hmm. I, in terms of professionalism, his arm, uh, being prepared for the game, uh, in terms of heart, Steve McNair, when I, uh, mm. played with the Titans. And I mean, I think back to our Rams game in the Super Bowl, just what a tough guy that he was, um, just a lot of great players, so many guys, and especially on some of those losing teams, I was on some pretty bad teams, two, two and 14 teams. And, um, mm. you know, you come across guys and everyone's got a story and we may have only crossed paths for a few games, but it's amazing. The impression that, uh, people make on you through that, um, experience. As an offensive lineman, you got to create a hole for the running back to get through. Who was the best running back to block for? Well, my first year and a half. So I was so still learning the game, got to block for Earl Campbell. Mm. And again, we weren't a very good team, but he impressed me. And he had taken a lot of abuse by this time. And um, he wasn't quite the same Earl that he was in the late 70s. But he would flash like this ability and um, really appreciated it. Super nice man, humble. Um, Eddie George, again, with the Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Rozier, Lorenzo White. I mean, I, it brings a smile to my face just thinking of some of those characters. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing like uh, being on the road, um, having to dig down deep with a hostile crowd and finding a way to get it done. And uh, it's such a unifying experience. And you got these 11 guys in the huddle. And some of these guys, you know, I wouldn't spend an hour off the field 
uh, with them. But the fact that uh, we were able to share in those hostile environments and come together as a team, just amazing uh, life lessons, I think, to be learned through that. Because you humble yourself and you put the team first and great stuff Hmm. can happen. And you can see the the converse thing as well. When guys start saying, it's all about me, look at me, I'm not getting my touches and how quickly that can decimate a team as well. You got to imagine at that level of playing, there's, there's obviously always things to learn, but so much of coaching has probably got to be inspiration and being able to dig the, you know, dig down deep and get the best out of the athletes. Who was the best uh, or the most inspirational coach that you played for? Um, I got to play for some great guys, great characters, Jerry Glanville, you know, he had his whole, whole shtick off the field and stuff. And, um, uh, Jack Pardee, uh, man of faith and just a great leader of the team. Uh, Jeff Fisher, who was my teammate at USC mm. oh, was right. my head coach in the NFL. Mm. Um, I had the opportunity and, uh, it's something that I'm very thankful for. Um, my best friend, uh, Mike Munchak, we played 11 seasons together on the offensive line. And then he got into coaching and became my offensive line coach my last, I don't know, four or five years in the league. And I remember thinking, man, this is going to be awesome. But really what it turned out to be is I don't, I don't want to screw this up for months. So I got to do my best. And he would take advantage of it all the time. Like, hey, man, I need you out there at practice. I'm like, Munch, you don't need me out there. He goes, no, you got to set a good example for (laughs) for the young guys. All right, all right, I'll do it for you. But um, I really appreciated uh, playing for Munch. And it's really those guys that um, who have kind of been through it themselves, and they can speak from a perspective of they know what you're going through. And um, unfortunately, too many times you'll run across coaches where it's more about how is this reflecting on me? You know, you're trying to screw this up. And again, there's there's uh, attitudes that can be very destructive very quickly for an NFL team. If mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's even true among uh, assistant coaches, head coaches, whatever the case may be, let alone the players. I want to ask you about, you know, life lessons and all of that. But, um, you know, so much can be said about, yes, a team learns a lot by winning together, but obviously you learn more by losing together. You went through two, two and 14 seasons, but you also suffered one of the worst losses in NFL playoff history. Sorry to bring that up. Um, But, you know, a 35 to three, I think you guys were up and, you know, cruising, you had a great team that year. And then it fell apart with a backup quarterback, Frank Reich. And the story is legendary of his faith in God. Yet here you are on the other side, you have faith in God and you're kind of wondering, Hey, where, where's God in this from your perspective? So, uh, what was tougher to get over? How did you get over that loss versus a two and 14 season? I mean, what did you learn about yourself and about resilience through those times? Well, um, yeah, that Buffalo game sucks. <laughs> but it, it was so strange because it was like, okay, I, 
I'm sensing what's happening here, but yeah. there's no way they can continue with this momentum. But sure enough, like you said, um, they did and they found a way. Um, I think that the craziest part of all was, um, like you said, they go up 38 to 35. And we have to rally at the end of the game. We have a great drive and rally down, kick a field goal. I think it was into the wind and tie the game up to go to overtime. And we win the toss. And I'm thinking, all right, Lord, you really taught us our lesson. Now you're going <laughs> to give us the spoils of our victory right here. We're going to win it in overtime. But we threw a pick and they kicked the field goal and we lost. But I think of so many times those uh, how God definitely uses uh, trials and mm. tough spots in your life because he loves us too much to allow us to stay in media, mediocrity. Mm. And I think of uh, an example in uh, 1997 when um, the team announced they were moving to Tennessee. Actually, we announced it in 1995. We're going to move to Tennessee. Uh, it's going to be the great greatest thing ever. It's mm. Tennessee is a land flowing with milk and honey. Mm. But uh, we... We ended up playing two lame duck seasons in Houston, which was horrible. Mm -hmm. Okay. Had about 10, 12,000 people in the, the stands, unless Pittsburgh or the Raiders or Green Bay was playing. So all their <laughs> fans would come in. There'd be 50,000, but they'd it'd be like an away game. But uh, so we played two lame duck seasons in um, Houston. Then we finally went to uh, Nashville and practiced in Nashville. And we played uh, our home games in uh, Memphis as the Tennessee Oilers. And that's like uh, the Houston Oilers saying to Dallas, hey, guys, we're going to go up there for a couple of years, play there as, uh, you know, the Texas Oilers or whatever. They would hate that. Memphis didn't want us there. Again, mm -hmm. the only crowds were Pittsburgh, tennis, or uh, Raiders, whatever the – case the good drawing teams then the next year we we played at vanderbilt actually in nashville it was actually worse than the mm. year at uh, memphis and then so we had four years of just adversity but that core of that team the eddie george uh mm. um the steve mcnair our offensive line was a very tight unit finally the next year we become the titans and uh it all comes together and we go to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And I think it was in direct correlation to uh, um, going through that hardship and just being battle tested and, um, you know, humbling yourselves. And it yeah. wasn't about, hey, it was, guys, let's do whatever it takes, find yeah. a way to win. And then it all came together. And unfortunately, that ended one yard short. <laughs> one yard short and all the Rams fans listening, remember it well. Oh so. gosh. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I so appreciate our, our chance to talk. I, I've got to ask you just a few uh, predictions going forward. I'm sure you still follow the game. Let's, let's assume the chiefs and the bucks. We'll just assume that they're the two front runners. Um, who's some dark horses that could actually go to the Super Bowl this year, besides the chiefs or the Buccaneers. Um, I like 
I'm, I'm going to be very biased here. My son's team, the Falcons, they got a uh, new head coach, Arthur Smith, who I coach with on the Titans. Um, he's old school. He's going to run the ball, play pass. You know, he's not going to put his offensive lineman dropping back 50 times a game um, because that's the last thing you want to do as an offensive lineman. These D linemen, I mean, they hmm. drool over that stuff. Yeah. Um, let's see. Those are the, that's the only team I watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. It's it, it's such a unique uh, dynamic, especially down here in Houston, because it's hot as all get out down here and humid. But there's definitely a quality to the weather when it gets so miserably hot and humid, you're like, Oh my gosh, I should be in training camp right now, yeah. but I'm thankful that I'm not. But, um, yeah, yeah, That's I, uh, it, it's, it's going to be a neat deal. Hopefully we get this COVID thing under control, but to have the fans back in the, uh, seats mm-hmm. again, in fact, last year, uh, I decided to take a buddy's trip up to KC to watch the Atlanta, uh, mm-hmm. chiefs game. And our all-pro kicker, who had made 30 straight field goals, duffs a field goal that would have won the game. Yeah, I hated um, to see that. Yeah, I know. I can tell. <laughs> but uh, we ended up all getting COVID on that trip. Oh, so, my. <laughs> yeah, no symptoms, though, but uh, thankfully it, it Well, Casey loves to give gifts to the out-of-town. Yeah. So there you yeah. go. <laughs> Well, buddy, I sure appreciate your time and thank you for this and grateful for my friend and your friend, John Heineman, for setting this up, a faithful Houston fan. So I assume, well, I don't know. Are you a Houston Texans fan or a Tennessee Titans fan? Uh, well, like I said, I coached for the Titans and they unceremoniously uh, fired me. So uh, that kind of <laughs> threw a little crimp into the Titans. No, I... Yeah. Every now and then, I, I like to see him do well. Uh, sure. The Texans with the Deshaun Watson deal down here, it's such awful. a headache. Yeah. Um, but the Astros, go Astros. <laughs> I just got to bring that up, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so much better than my Royals. Well, brother, yeah. I appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Good speaking with you. Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you get it delivered every week. And subscribe to the Rusty George YouTube channel for more devotionals, messages, and fun videos. Thank you for listening to Leading Simple. Learn.